Another announcement I wish to give to you is that the individual family that walk through Bethlehem, we are allowed to borrow some of their animals. The, the alpacas is what I'm talking about. The wife of the husband uh, passed away. She was on our uh, prayer list, uh, prayer bulletin for a while. And Dane Schneider called me last night to give me the news and asked if I would uh, share that with you this morning. So maybe some of you would take it upon yourselves to, to send a card to um, her husband. Uh, apparently the funeral will be a week from tomorrow. I don't know all the details. I just know that Dane said the funeral will be a, uh, next Monday, not this coming tomorrow, but next week. Remember them in prayer. Let's pray together. Father God, life has in it moments of great disappointment. We, we can't walk around with rose-colored glasses thinking that each and every day is just going to be sunny and bright. Events happen to us. And James tells us that our lives are as but a vapor. They're here today and could quickly escape tomorrow. I pray, O oh God, for the family that forgive me for not being able to recognize or remember their names, but, for, but Lord, you know the situation. A wife and a mother has left this earth. And the husband and children are still here trying to pick up the pieces. Somehow, some way, Lord, maybe as a church, we could minister to them, contact them, send them cards, avail ourselves to them as, as what we can do to help in this situation. I pray, O oh God, that you would bless them. Bless them with your presence. Bless them, Lord, with your word. That same prayer I have for Fred Phillips, and as he too has had to say so long to, to his wife, Loretta. I ask that you would comfort him, as well as Don and Cindy Martz and their family. They've had to say so long to joy. And as the days go by, as both Sorrel and Sarah have experienced in this last year, each passing day isn't necessarily an easy day. And I pray for them. I pray for all the families who have been affected. Even this morning, I, I pray that you, God, would somehow, some way, meet them. Meet them where they are in order that you could take them where you want them to go. 
Life's journey is not necessarily easy. And life's journey is many times difficult. And I, but I thank you, God, that you've never left us, nor will you ever forsake us. And in your way and in your time, oh Lord God, I pray that you would uh, bless them. And I don't mean to just say that word glibly, Lord, but I pray that you would minister to them in a blessing somehow, some way. And too, Lord, we have individuals that would like to be here, but they just can't be here. I pray for Dick Lenker. I pray, Lord, for Betty Carl and also for Gladys Billow. They have for many years frequent the doors of this church, but no longer can they do that. I pray that you, God, would watch over them and minister to them We call them shut-ins. But yet, Lord, they're not out of your sight. Would you touch them and bless them and honor yourself, O Lord God, in their lives for your purpose and for your glory. I'd like to remember Catherine Spots too, Lord, as she's had some some physical ailments. The prayer chain came through and and we thank you for that. It informs us of our sister is having a struggle. So I pray that you would bless Catherine. And Lord too, I ask that you would bless us with your word. Not that I'm the sharpest pencil in the box, Lord, that's not it. But all we want to do is to share your truth. To draw our attention to two cautions that James writes for us. Cautions about misunderstanding and judging and cautions about boasting and neglecting you. And as we search in your word this day, I pray, God, that you would remind us. Remind us of who we were. And then remind us of who we are. And may you receive all the honor and the glory. And I'll praise you in your name, Lord, as you bless your word this day to our hearts. For it's in Christ Jesus I ask these things. Amen. We find ourselves this morning in James chapter 4. And beginning at verse 11 through the end of the chapter, as I said in my prayer, there are two warnings or cautions, if you will. One is against the is a caution of judging, and the other one is. A caution against boasting. And you have them there for you. 
What is interesting, though, is that both of these situations have two things in common. First of all, they exhibit a case of worldliness that James has already warned us against as he has pointed out the difference between earthly wisdom and wisdom from above, or heavenly wisdom. And both of them are exhibits, if you will, of more of the earthly wisdom than they are of the godly wisdom that James says is available for us in chapter 1, if only we would ask. The other thing they have in common is that they void themselves of God. There's no mention of them appreciating who God is and what God has done for them. All they're thinking of is themselves. So they voided or avoided, if you will, God. One preacher said it this way, there are two ways in which a believer person can come and stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, I want to qualify that by saying, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the judgment you're not going to be at. Because the judgment seat of Christ has everything to do with awards and rewards, not salvation. You don't get to that judgment seat of Christ unless you have trusted Jesus Christ as your only hope of eternal life. The one that deals only with salvation appears at the great white throne judgment, which is referred to in Revelation chapter 22. And so when we talk about there are two ways that a believer person can arrive at the judgment seat of Christ, that's what the book of James is about. You can either arrive at the judgment seat of Christ being mature or immature. You can either embrace and do as Paul said or James says in James chapter 1, be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. You can embrace all that there is in Jesus Christ. You can strive to do all that God wants you to do according to His Word. Or you can say, no thank you. I got salvation, and that's all I want. We sort of do this to God. Uh, I'm okay. That's your choice. James would rather have you show up mature in Christ. And we know what that process is. James chapter 1 tells us that the growth of maturity does go through the trials of life. Trials are there in order that we can learn not only of the goodness that is in Jesus Christ, but learn a more valuable lesson that without Him we can do nothing at all. 
So trials are there. Has anyone had a trial this week? I would suspect all of your hands would go up. Inside, you're going, yeah. Sitting right next to me. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, but God does. Trials are there for us to help us to grow, to mature in Jesus Christ. Or we can choose to stay immature. That's your choice. James would want you to be mature. But the two cautions are revealing to us those who are not. They're immature. The first one, caution against judging. And I found myself in a conundrum. That's not a new vehicle I've just bought, but I found myself in a problem. Because there are places in the Scriptures, dear people, where we are to judge. You write these down, and you go look at them later. But places like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 to 22, when it says, test the spirits. Test them. We are to make judgment calls based upon the truth of the Word of God. Something is not matching here with what the Word of God has to say and what's coming out your mouth. The other place is 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. Again, John is warning the individuals he's writing to about false teachers, false prophets. And he says, test them. And that word test in both of those contexts is referencing to judge them. Make a judgment call. In other words, there is a standard upon which we are to judge and the standard is nothing more than the, the Word of God. But then again, I find myself struggling on the other aspect. Because, just, just turn quickly, keep something here in James chapter 4. Turn back to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 is the champion verse, if you will, or champion thought of individuals who maybe don't know Jesus, but maybe they do, I, I don't know, but they champion this because the first verse says, do not judge lest you're judged. See, we ought not to judge anybody. Not, well, whoa. Do not take that statement out of context. Because if you're willing to stand on verse 1, you got to take what verse 2 says. Notice what verse 2 says in Matthew chapter 7. For with what judgment you judge, you will be 
judged by. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Oh. What is the standard by which God is going to judge our works? What is the standard? The Word of God. The things that we have done. 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Things that we have done will be judged by truth. Now, if we are willing to judge other individuals by truth, that's what Jesus is saying here. Because that's what you're going to be judged by. Truth. And how you measure it out is how it's going to be measured back to you. There you better start relying on grace and mercy. Amen? (laughs) There you might want to hunker down on grace and mercy. So it would seem that in some context, we are not to judge. In other contexts, we are. But the foundation of that is always the Word of God. Now go back to James. Go back to James. What we have in this passage of James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, again is a reminder of the improper use of the tongue. We're speaking. We ain't thinking. In fact, if I would restructure the title of this sermon, maybe it should be, Don't Be Just Speaking, You Got to Be Thinking. But here we have this problem. And it's not new because James has already told us in chapter 3 that how can sweet water and bitter water come from the same fountain? How can we curse man and bless God? How is that even possible? It's the improper use of the tongue because it's not based upon the wisdom from heaven. It's fueled by the wisdom of the earth, which we do know is both worldly, fleshly, and devilish. That we know. But notice what James says. It's not just judging, but he qualifies it by saying this. Do not speak evil against one another. Evil. Now we're in a totally new arena. We ought not to be speaking evil against one another. And in fact, James qualifies it You shouldn't be doing that to a brother or sister in Christ. Speaking evil. There have been more church splits over individuals who have garnered the tongue and have forgotten about grace. There have been more believer lives destroyed 
Because individuals thought it was their spiritual gift to cut them apart with their tongue. Remember, James tells us that the tongue is that powerful that it can start a forest fire. And the fire consumes lives. And this individual or individuals in this particular church that James is preaching at, he's engaging them into do not speak evil against a brother. Why? What's the caution? Well, sticking to the theme, the caution is really twofold. Because it says, he who speaks evil speaks against the law and judges the law. Now, now that word judge literally means condemn with the intention to harm. Speaks against the law. What law? Just the Ten Commandments? No, no, no. Keeping it in context, James tells us what he's referring to. In, in James chapter 1, verse 25, it's the perfect law of liberty. In James chapter 2, verse 12, it is the again referred to as the law of liberty. And in James chapter 2 and verse 13, he refers to it again as the for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In other words, these individuals were forgetting about mercy. They were making judgment calls and judging, speaking evil because they do not know the facts. They don't know the motives of the individual. Uh, let me just give you a, a quick illustration. If you saw me walking into a bar, what would you think? There goes that pastor. I knew he was a drinker. I had my doubts. But I knew he was a drinker. You didn't know why I walked in there. You made a judgment call based upon your own sight. You don't know that I walked in there because someone called me in there and said, can you come get me and take me home? I don't feel safe to drive home. I'll take you home. I'll keep you awake. And I'm going to be giving you the gospel the whole way home. You, you see me come out of the parsonage and I'm staggering. I knew. Oh, you didn't, you, you didn't know that I tripped on one of the cracks in the sidewalk and I'm trying to gain my balance. And with two artificial hips, that takes a little bit of time. You see, that's what was happening here. They were passing judgment and judging. Most likely even using the Word of God 
for their judgments without even knowing what was really going on. That's not new because James introduced us to that back in chapter 2 when he talked about the rich man and the poor man who comes walking in the church. A rich man comes walking in and everyone crowds around him. Glad to see you today! But maybe we don't know that rich person got all of his money because he is a drug supplier. Would we be as quick to welcome him? Or what about the poor man with tattered clothes? Ah, God passing judgment on him. Not necessarily. He probably lost his job. And he just got out of work wrestling with a vacuum cleaner. And he lost. But he still showed up on Sunday morning hoping to hear something from God. James describes that. Let let me read that for you. When he says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Perfect example of not loving loving one another is if we speak evil against one another. Be very cautious because you are speaking evil against the law. And secondly, you become the judge. You set yourself up as God. And James says, be careful because there's only one who can do that. And his name is the triune Godhead of glory. He's the only one who can judge. Be careful. I've got to cover the next few verses in about four minutes. Caution against boasting. Back in, this, back in the 1970s, what was Muhammad Ali's famous line? Oh, you're all believer people. You didn't follow boxing. Okay. Let me tell you what he said. I am the greatest. Not anymore. Not anymore. When we begin to boast, as the example here is given, the example is an individual saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to that city, I'm going to sell this stuff, and I'm going to be making me a lot of money. And, and Jimmy comes out and says, uh, you might want to rethink that. Let me just quote you what he says. Whereas, verse 14, do you not know what will happen tomorrow? For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live. Stop right there. If the Lord wills, 
we shall live. Sometimes you just got to stop at a word because it's that rich in meaning. If the Lord wills, we shall live. Who is it that holds your life in his hands? You? No. It's the God of glory. David wrote it well when he said, Lord, help me to number my days. (laughs) Remind me. Lord, you're the one in control, not me. Even Jesus himself, as he's on the cross, he says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. (laughs) Do with me as you wish. If the Lord wills, you shall live. And then he goes on and do this or that. Luke chapter 14 reminds us in verse 31, as Jesus is sharing not only what it means to be a follower of his, but he says, what king is there who's thinking that he wants to go to war against another king and doesn't take into account that he has only 10,000 where the king that's coming at him is going to have 20? Is he going to be able to stand? There's nothing wrong with making plans for the future of their people. In fact, that's probably a wise thing to do. But in the making of your future plans, make sure that you don't discount God. (laughs) Make sure that you don't push Him aside and say, I got this. I can handle this. James says, you're going to be walking in deep water. Be cautioned. The caution is this. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You have no clue what's going to happen. And secondly, ah, this is the one that you've got to stop and read. Look at verse 16. All such boasting is what, everybody? Evil. When you discount and discard God from your plans and you begin to boast about it, you're walking into the path of evilness, worldliness. Be careful. James is, I I can just imagine him if he was standing at a pulpit back there in the early centuries of the church just preaching his heart out to that. And then we have the Word of God and guess what? It is just as valid today as when he first said it. Be careful. Be cautioned. I caution you. Do not speak evil against one another. But I forgot to highlight one last thing in closing. Notice, if you will, in verse 12. 
It says, who are you to judge another? In the Greek, it says, who are you to judge your neighbor? Your neighbor. Out there, 11 o'clock, playing that hard rock and roll music. Maybe he can't hear that well. See him squealing the tires every day going out. Maybe because he needs to get someplace in a hurry. Don't speak evil. Speak the love of Christ. As Paul says, speak the truth in love. I guarantee you, that will transform you and it will transform those who you share the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, grant your word to find good moral soil to plant itself. May the fruit that it bears be the kind of fruit that gives you the honor and the glory. And may we, O oh Lord God, as your children, speak graciously and mercifully to one another. May we not make judgments upon which we have no facts, nor do we even know the intent of the heart. That we leave to you. But may we speak words of encouragement. Words of peace. Words of compassion. Words that exonerate your name. In order that Lord, whoever would come in these doors, would sense your presence. And to that we ask, for it is in the mighty name of Christ our Savior we plead these things. Amen.